seldom do I give a topical sermon, but this is one of those seldoms. We're going to talk about baptism this morning. Because we're, one, we're having a baptism service this afternoon, followed with a potluck. And baptism is one of the, the sacraments of the Christian church. I believe uh, all Christian denominations and everything follow the Lord in baptism. It's simply an act of obedience to Scripture. Now, baptisms here are not membership requirements or activities into Calvary Chapel. You're being baptized into the body of Christ. And we first read about baptism in Matthew 3. So if you would turn to Matthew chapter 3, we'll, we'll start off looking at verses 1 through 11. Matthew 3, 1 through 11. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophets, Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the regions around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist, one of those great characters of the New Testament, even the Old Testament, for as that goes. John, he dressed and he ate like perhaps one of those TV Survivor Program host <laughs> out in the wilderness. And he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he has one message, prepare the way of the Lord. John is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. But the people of Judea and Jerusalem, they're flocking out to the region of the Jordan River where John is baptizing. And so let's take a moment and just look at the ministry of John the Baptist who gave us baptism. John, he is a prophet. John is a link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
He's a link between law and grace. But King Herod has arrested John because John has kind of denounced the fact that he's living in, Herod is living in adultery, being married to a woman that, you know, he shouldn't be married to. And Herod has thrown John into his private prison. And John is there. He's in prison, and he sends two of his disciples to Jesus, and they have one question for Jesus. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? So let's turn over to Matthew 11, right there, and we will hear uh, Jesus' commentary of John. Matthew 11, verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And they departed. And then Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. For there... is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And surely I say to you, Jesus speaking, among those born of women, there was not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Go tell John what you see and what you hear. John is in prison. No doubt, John needs to be encouraged. And Jesus is uh, is there to answer his question as to who he is. Go tell John what you see. John has previously declared, though, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 3, verse 30, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. But he's in prison. In prison, it can cause a person to have doubts. It can cause a person to question. And it for sure can discourage a person when you're in prison. Jesus tells John's disciples, go tell John the blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And then he gives one more. One more proof. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And tell John, John, don't be offended because of me. Now we can be offended because of Jesus. 
We can be discouraged. John, I think, is very discouraged. He's there in Herod's prison. And we can become discouraged when we do not understand what God is doing in our lives. We can find ourselves sometimes in financial difficulties. We can have health problems. Our career can take a turn and have changes. Or like last week, the stock market can dive. <laughs> and our hopes and our dreams can be shattered. John, I think he just wanted to fade into the sunset. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. But I don't think John thought he'd have to go to prison. John's disciples, when they asked one time, uh, they said, John, they asked Jesus, why does John's disciples fast and your disciples don't fast? That could have been a little offensive, you know. Wait, you know, aren't we all in the same situation here? And how about us? How about our dreams? How about our goals? How about our desires for our children, our grandchildren? When those desires don't meet with what God has planned or what God is bringing about in their lives, are we offended? Well, of course, we're Christians. We know better than to say, well, God, I'm offended at you. But we can do it in different ways by being discouraged. We can do it in different ways, like perhaps not be so faithful to be a good witness or to attend church regularly or even stop giving, you know, our tithes and offerings. We can get offended in a lot of different ways. But I'm here to tell you, keep the faith. And John, if we could talk to John, what would we tell him? Don't allow your persecution don't allow Herod's prison to wipe you out. That's what we tell them. But we have John's disciples, they leave Jesus. And then Jesus will explain to the crowd, to the multitude, the greatness of John. And he does this by asking questions. What did you people go out to see? A reed, a blade of grass, shaken by the wind, a man clothed in soft garments, perhaps in royal purple or something like this. No, but you went out to see a prophet. You went out to see God's messenger who is preparing the way of Messiah, the Christ. John was the forerunner of Jesus. This was the main purpose, the main cause of John's life. He is the forerunner of Jesus. What a privilege. What an awesome responsibility. And that, being the forerunner of Jesus, is much greater 
than what we know John for. We know John as the baptizer, but he was the forerunner of Jesus. In verse 11, we have Jesus' evaluation of John. Those born of women, there is not one risen greater than John. John the baptizer, John the forerunner. Then Jesus says, I tell you, if you can receive this, John is Elijah, who is to come. Now, Elijah wasn't just a prophet to the Jewish people. He was the prophet. He was considered the most esteemed prophet of Israel all time. No one topped to Elijah for his being the prophet. So when Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, he's Elijah, the spirit of Elijah and John is the same. John, uh, Jesus declares John a prophet. The spirit of Elijah, my forerunner. But that's kind of private. That's kind of between John and Jesus. But let's go back to the Jordan River where John is baptizing. And we find John, he's there, and he's submerging those that are being baptized, and he's taking them down under the water. There was no sprinkling going on there, by the way. There was no dab in the forehead a little bit. John was taking them under. And it was a complete ceremonial type dunking. And we have not only the common people coming out to be baptized, but we also have the religious leaders coming out to be baptized. And John has a word for these religious leaders. Not a kind word, brood of vipers. <laughs> Hello, snakes. <laughs> Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Wrath. God, judgment, wrath. And that's what all of mankind will face who doesn't accept Jesus and the work on the cross. You will face God's wrath. It's that simple. John has laid out in a brief statement the end results that awaits every man. Forgiveness and grace or wrath and judgment. The only way to avoid God's wrath is to repent of our sins and apply the blood of Christ to our lives. That's the only way. And the verification of our repentance is Righteous fruit. Repentance brings about a life of righteousness before God. Repentance demonstrates a change in a life. Now these religious leaders are more than willing to be baptized. They're, they're wanting to be baptized, but they are not willing to repent and change their lifestyle. We baptize a person, 
we baptize believers, a person who has repented, who has confessed the change in their life that comes by being a Christian in what we call fruits of righteousness. But baptism does not bring about the change that is needed in a life. Baptism can't do that. The change is brought about by trusting in Jesus Christ and his work upon the cross, period. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward happening. In John 4, 2, we hear the Apostle John say, Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. So Jesus did not baptize. In 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 13 through 17, you may want to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. But you may want to turn to 1 Corinthians 1, 13 through 17, and talking about the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I have baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Paul asks, is Christ divided? Rhetorical question, no, he isn't. Was Paul crucified for you? No, no, he wasn't. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And Paul lists who he did baptize, so you can say, no, we weren't baptized by Paul. And Paul happens to be the greatest evangelist that ever lived. And it makes a point to say, I didn't baptize anyone to speak of. And he said, that's not what God called me to do. God did not call me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. This is the Apostle Paul's words. But Paul, it seems like in his foresight, looking down through the annals of time, he doesn't want to be known as the baptizer, but he wants to be known as one who proclaims the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the very next chapter, First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, 1, Paul declares, I have determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, my message got real simple. I preached salvation. It's, it's like Paul had a fear that baptism could be taken out of context. And there are many denominations, many Christian denominations, that believe water baptism is necessary for salvation. Paul didn't think it was. We at Calvary Chapel do not believe there is anything but the cross of Christ that regenerates a sinful person. 
Yet we do believe in water baptism. We're going to have a baptism tonight. We believe being baptized is being obedient to the scriptures, and it should be done. So we're going to do that. And we will have a public baptism this afternoon. But baptism is simply being symbolic of Jesus' death and resurrection. I will take that person down under the water, put my hand over their nose and mouth, that you don't want them gulping and choking when they're coming up. <laughs> and I will raise that person up, representing how God raised up Jesus. But baptism should be a time of remembrance in our life. It should be a milestone, a time when a person says, I choose to follow Jesus Christ. I was baptized as an adult. My mother, she insisted that I was baptized as a child, but I had no recollection of it whatsoever. She probably got me mixed up with my brothers. But, you know, you hate to say, Mom, you no, wasn't baptized. But it was necessary in my heart and life as following the Lord as an adult that I be baptized. And I was. And that was just one of those things I felt a need to do. Baptism usually brings about persecution of a Christian where Christianity is not popular. Because those that are not Christians look upon you as one who has openly decided to follow Christ and in many third world nations, you will become persecuted once you are baptized. Baptism is that sign, that mark of a believer that is obedient to Christ. Baptisms are a time of celebration. And we like to have a potluck when we have our baptisms. And there's usually a lot of wet hugging that goes on at a baptism. So those that be, are going to be baptized today, you go ahead and hug them. Get a little wet. It's okay. But who can be baptized? Anyone who has confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We baptize into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we do not baptize you into church membership. Jesus, the Son of God himself, humbled himself and was baptized, baptized by John, and it was an act of humility on Jesus' part, for Jesus did not need to confess sins. So for Jesus, it was sort of like an anointing, and Jesus entered his three-and-a-half-year ministry right after being baptized by John. So we are to believe and be baptized. We, as a Christian church, recognize all Christian baptisms. So if you've been baptized at another church, it's good with us. <laughs> we think that's fine. <laughs> but if you have any questions about following the Lord in baptism, talk to me. 
And if you haven't been baptized, be baptized. You're just being obedient to what the Lord would call you to do. But I invite you all to come out this afternoon at 5 o'clock, and we're going to have a public baptism, a time of celebrating as we see believers follow the Lord in obedience, and that is always a good thing. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, first of all, we, we thank you, Lord, for you calling us to yourself. Thank you for regenerating us, forgiving our sins, pardoning our sins, saving our souls, Lord, because we trust in you. And, Lord, we want to be obedient to you, so we, we want to follow you in baptism. We want to do what you tell us to do just uh, in simple obedience, Lord. So uh, we just pray that as a body of believers, we'd be faithful to do that. Pray for those, Lord, that are going to be baptized. Watch over them. Take care of them. May they grow in you, Lord. May they become all that you've called them to be. And just bless them for coming forth publicly to be obedient to you. So we thank you for these lives that will be baptized this afternoon. Be with us, Lord. Watch over us and just make it a, a time of celebration as we celebrate you, Jesus, and your goodness to us. And we celebrate by being obedient to you. So watch over us, Lord, and take care of us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.